You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Man, I like y'all fired up today, huh? I like it. I like it. Some more fired up than others. That's okay. It'll get contagious. Uh, We're so glad that you're here, man. Go ahead and grab your Bibles or pull up um, the Vintage Church app and go to the notes section if you want to follow along with what God has put on my heart to share with you guys today. Uh, It's in the Vintage app. Just go to the notes section and there's the scriptures I'm going to be reading and the points that I'm going to be going over and the things that God has laid on my heart. Um, If that's not you, you're not a a technology person, go ahead and go to John chapter 4 because that's going to be the launching point for our time together today. And before we kind of dive into all that, let me just remind you of some cool things that are happening around our church over the next couple of weeks. Next Sunday night, we're offering a discipleship lab. Labs are something that we've toyed with at times, and we've decided, like, moving forward, we're just going to do labs as God puts them on our hearts, and they're going to focus mainly on discipleship and leadership. And it's just kind of a a one-night, couple hours, let's get together, let's learn something that will make us better, that will push us more towards who God has called us to be in living and loving like His Son, Jesus. So next Sunday night from 6 to 8, we're just going to pick a classroom in this building, so just come here. Um, The topic is how to get the most out of your time in the Word, Um, because you need to be in the Bible. Amen, somebody? You need God's word in you because when life squeezes you, something's going to come out. And it's either going to be what you binged on Netflix or it's going to be God's word. Okay? And so let's put a little bit more word in us and a little less Netflix at times. Amen? And so if you're planning on just come show up, we've had some people email us. We'd love for you to just email office at vintagechurch.net if you don't mind so we can kind of prepare for you. But if you don't email us and you still show up, that's going to be fine because we just want to take some time. Because you ever read the Bible and you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Or what did I just read? Or I have no idea um, what just happened because I can't even pronounce some of the words I just tried to read. And so we get that sometimes you've been walking with Jesus for five minutes or 50 years. Getting the most out of the word is a process, right? Amen? It takes some time. And so we just want to come together and just talk about that subject. Also, school is starting back up here in just a few weeks. Yeah! No? I thought it was mainly parents in the room. I thought y'all would be excited. There's a lot of teachers in the room, though. Um, But some initiatives that we've done, we love to love on this campus. Like, this is ground zero for us, this building, and the people, the students, and the faculty in it. And so we want to love on them, and we do that a couple ways. As you go out of the building this morning, you're going to get one of these cards, and it just talks about a random middle school um, supply list. And the things that are on this card and the instructions about how to get those things here, if you would just follow those. Our our goal was just to to fill their supply closet so when a kid in this school is in need of something, we have provided everything they need so that they don't have to try to buy things they can't afford, and we just want to love on the, on the students of this school. So let's make this happen. I tell you what, let's supply this closet so they can go throughout the entire year without being in need of a thing. Y'all cool with that? Let's just love on them in that way. Then we're going to do something new that we're going to tell you uh, a little bit more about next week. We're going to do what we're going to call Adopt a Teacher. And our goal is to have every teacher in this building adopted by an individual, a family, a life group, something, so that throughout the year, we're going to just kind of love on these teachers just consistently throughout the year. Um, Teachers have a hard job. The good thing is they pay them a ton of money. My wife is a teacher. (laughs) 
And so we want to love on them and just support them. And teaching, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard, hard job, but it's a very, very important job. Amen. Come on, let's support our teachers. And so we want to love them and support them. And so we're going to talk to you more about what that looks like. I mean, it can be stuff from just like when they have work days, maybe pr- providing breakfast for them as they come here. Just, do, just stay walking with them throughout the year to encourage them and make sure they feel supported and prayed for and whatever they need just to kind of love on those, that group of people. We'll tell you more about that next week. But go ahead and be thinking about that and praying about that, whether it's you as a family, an individual, or a life group or something like that to kind of dive into that. And finally, we are planning another missions trip to Haiti in 2018. And right now we have a handful of applications in, but we're looking for 12 spots to fill. And I think maybe we have four or five applications right now. So if you're interested in being a part of that trip, I'm going to be standing out at the white tent as you go out this morning. Just come by, ask me any questions you might have about how you apply and and just any details you might want to have about going on that trip. Because it is an awesome, life-changing experience to go serve another group of people in another country. And it will change your life. All right, Amen. You with me, everybody? All right, grab your Bibles again. Go to John chapter 4. We are finishing today a series called Spirit and Truth. Throughout the majority of the summer, we've been talking about the subject of worship and what worship really is and what it means and what it looks like. And the reason why we need to do this is because worship is a very, very powerful thing. Amen? Worship is a powerful thing. And when you, when you know how to do it right, and when you do it well, and you do it the way God has intended you to do it and ask for you to do it, It unlocks really, really cool things in your life. And so to kind of jump into this subject, we've been looking at this conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. This beautiful, unique, should have never happened conversation where Jesus talks with a woman that's not a member of his family, which shouldn't happen. And he was Jewish, she was a Samaritan, and those people didn't even mix. And within this conversation, within this exchange between Jesus and the woman at the well, she brings up this question about worship. And she says, Jesus, uh, where are we really supposed to worship? Because my people and where I'm from, they say that this is where we're supposed to worship and like we're the ones that have access to God. But you people, as the Jewish people, y'all believe in this temple thing and like y'all have all these other, other different kinds of rules and places about worship. Kind of what's the deal? Like where, where does true worship really happen? And this is how Jesus responds. In John chapter 4, look at verse 23 and 24. Jesus said, a time is coming. And has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of the worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus says that God's looking for true worshipers. True worshipers. And like he's breaking down the barriers. He says, lady, there's a time that's coming. When like, I know you think like you, you're the only people that group that has access to God and you can only meet with God at this specific location. And I know my people think we're the only ones that have access to God and we can only really meet with God at this specific location. But I'm about to wreck all that. I'm about to tear down all those walls. And now worshiping God and access to God and experience his power is not going to be limited to a place or a people group. And God's going to be accessible to everyone for everyone at any time. And this is a game changer for their culture. But he says, like, there's come a time when true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and truth. And what God is looking for is people who truly worship. He doesn't say they're just looking for worshipers. They're looking for true worshipers. And I've submitted to you throughout this series, you are a worshiper. You may be in here and you may be the biggest atheist on the planet. You're a worshiper. Like, I, I hate to break this to you, but you were created in the image of God. 
And so worship is something that is built into who you are. And you're a worshiper. The problem is sometimes our worship can have the wrong target. Amen? Like we can worship people and hobbies and careers and all these other different things. And what God is saying, Jesus is saying here, God's looking for people who truly worship. Because when you truly worship, it unlocks things in your life and unleashes the resource of heaven. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. And so we've been trying to discover, all right, what, is, what does a true worshiper look like? What does true worship look like? Because I want you to experience that and I want to experience that. And so week one, we just laid it out there. True worship acknowledges God for who he is and what he's done. Like that's the beginning of true worship is acknowledging God, worshiping God for who he is and what he's done. Not just what he's done, not just all those cool blessings that we think we do. We, every time God does something good, we're like, thank you, God, I got a raise. Woo! Like true worship is acknowledging God for who he is, not just what he's done. But we also said this, that true worship is not just an external expression. It's an internal submission. That we can have the appearance of worship and it not really be worship. Like you can come in here and you can shout and you can scream and you can do all the things and you can raise your hands and you can kneel at the altar and you can throw money in that basket and you can do all the external things. But that doesn't mean you're truly worshiping. Jesus quoted Isaiah when he said there, there are people that they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, like it, it looks like worship, it has the appearance of worship, but because their hearts aren't mine, it's not worship. And if God doesn't have your heart, he doesn't want your worship. But it comes from an internal place. It's an internal submission and so really true worship is, is acknowledging God for who he is and what he's done from a surrendered heart. And we've given ourselves to God and who he is. And so we kind of got that other way. All right, that's what worship is. And then kind of we said, week two, we talked about, all right, well, what, is, what does worship look like? Like, how do, how do we worship? And like, we all kind of have this, this mentality of what it's supposed to look like. But there's a word that's most often connected with worship, and that word is praise. And we talked about the postures of praise and how God has called for us in Hebrews to offer a sacrifice of praise. And what does that really mean? And we talked about how there are seven different Hebrew words in the Old Testament that we translate as one word, praise. But there's seven different words from everything from shouting to God and singing praises and playing stringed instruments or, knee, or a knee to the ground and bowing in reverence or an extended hand. And like some of us, you know, we think praise is right here. Like that's about as good as we get. If we go here, we're just getting wild, right? But how God's called us to a sacrifice of praise, and that means taking a posture of praise, however you feel led, when you feel led, and not worrying about what other people think or where you are, and just honoring God. And maybe it's sacrificing your comfort zone. Maybe it's sacrificing your personality and just letting loose and giving Him praise. That's what worship can look like. And last week we started talking about, all right, what can worship do? when we do it right, and how worship is a weapon, <laughs> that we're under attack. You, did you feel under attack at all this week, church? Like the enemy was coming at you? Come on, somebody, anybody? Like you were just fighting and struggling, and, and all kind of things maybe weren't going your way. And like some of y'all, maybe you, you had an awesome week and nothing went wrong, but that wasn't most of us. And every day is a battle and a struggle, and the wep- one of the weapons that we have against those things is to just unleash worship in our lives. And we walk through scripture and how we saw worship tear down walls and defeat enemies and break chains. And that we can use worship as a weapon against those things that stand between us and where God wants us to be. So we learned a lot about worship. But there's, there's kind of one more discussion I want us to kind of finish with. Because I think a lot of times when we think about worship, we still tether it to a place. Right? Like even, even this morning, y'all, you, you even probably told somebody, somebody texted you this morning or you had a conversation. And you said, I'm going to church to worship. 
I'm going to worship. Like, we, we tether worship to a place. And it's like, we still get in this mind, the same mindset that the Samaritan woman had. Especially if you've grown up in church. And we think the, the best place, the most potent place that we can experience the presence of God is most often in a church building, right? That's kind of how we grew up. Anybody with me? Like, when, we, when I say a place of worship, and, and, and most of my life, if you if you'd have said, all right, describe a place of worship, I'd have said, well, it's a brick building with stained glass windows a steeple, and people that smell like mothballs and cigarettes. <laughs> amen, somebody. No, don't amen. <laughs> like, that's kind of what we had in our mind, right? Like, that's, like, we go to church, and we go to, and you know what? We got these puke green pews, and it's this place of worship. And like, we have in our mind, like, that's this place of worship. And even now, and I think even, even though maybe we feel like we've graduated from that, we even think, like, when we think of worship, maybe you think of this place. That, that, like, that this is where God's presence is the most. And I would just submit to you, God's presence isn't any greater or any less in any one place or another. Isn't that cool? Like, like God is no more present here than he was with you in your home this morning. Come on. Like, God's presence isn't any thicker in this room than it was as you sat in your office Monday to Friday. God's presence isn't any thicker in this place as it was as you drove down the road in your car. Come on, somebody. Let me, let me just remind you. God's presence isn't contained to a piece of land or a building or property. He can't be contained like that. When the temple was built in the Old Testament, this is what was written in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Like, like nothing can contain him. So it's not, he's not any more present here than he is anywhere else. That because of who he is, because of what Jesus has done... He is omnipresent. To take you back to an old word that you used to hear, He is present everywhere at all times. He is inescapable. Therefore, you are capable of turning any place you place your foot into a place of worship. Because that's who He is. Psalm 139. Starting with verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens... You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. David was saying, like, there's nowhere that I can go to escape your presence. He is always everywhere. Now, I know there's times we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Like, maybe we get more in tune with his spirit. But his spirit is no more present in this room than he is anywhere else in your entire life. Well, that, which that means that your place of worship is limitless. It's constant. And that's why, you know, people have talked about when we're trying to build this building and that kind of stuff. And they say, when are we going to build a new sanctuary? I say, never. What? Well, we intentionally never call the rooms in which we worship sanctuaries. Because the only sanctuary exists now is you and me. 
when the veil was torn, when Jesus died on the cross, and it unleashed the full power of God, from then on out, buildings would never be temples. You and I, who put our faith and hope in Jesus, have become the new temples. Amen. Celebrate that, church. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, you have received from God? You're the temple. You're the living, breathing temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So everywhere is a place of worship. But there are, are, are different ways and different places that, that we get to worship God. Because see, worship, worship is kind of, it's, it's multi-layered. For one thing, worship is public and corporate. Like there is a place for public and corporate worship. Come on. Like there are moments where publicly we need to worship God, when we need to, in front of others, declare His glory, declare His praises. Things like we do in this room. There's, this is a public and corporate worship setting. And this is a powerful thing. This is a powerful place of worship. That we gather in this room, under this roof, as the family of God, disconnected from the distractions of life and allowing ourselves to get lost in worship of Him and recalibrate our hearts and let our minds settle into His truth. And that is a beautiful thing that we should never give up doing. And I know, like, there are some mornings, I get it, there's some mornings you wake up on Sunday and you think, the last thing I want to do is go to church. Can I submit to you, the Sunday mornings you least feel like being here just might be the Sundays you most need to be here. Because that feeling of not wanting to be here at times is just from the enemy because he knows there's something God wants to do in your life. And if he can keep you from walking in this room, maybe he can keep you from learning that lesson. It's public and it's corporate. And I know there's, there's, there's you know, that's why there's parts of me that didn't like some of the contemporary church movement where people just, all, they, they just sit in front of a computer at their house, and they call it church. I don't know about that. Because the church is the people. It's the family of God coming together to worship Him as a body. And though we're from different places with different backgrounds and different bank accounts and different education levels and different skin colors, we're united by one thing, the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's a beautiful, special thing that we can never lose. We can never forget. And corporately coming together to praise Him is something that I believe honors God and gets His heart excited. Matthew chapter 18, these are the words of Jesus. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. That there's something beautiful about public and corporate worship. Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Worship is public and corporate. There is a place for that type of worship. That publicly we come together and corporately we declare his praises. And one of those, corp, those public acts of worship that God called us to do is one we're going to offer to you today. It's called baptism. It is a public act of worship. At its core, that's what baptism is. Baptism is a public display of an inward work. Baptism is us declaring to Jesus that we believe in him and declaring to others that we will follow him. 
And so today, at the end of the, in just a little while, at the end of our service, we're going to give you a chance. If that's where, if that's the place you need to worship today, if that's the way that God's calling you to worship, is through that public act of worship through baptism. We're going to give you the opportunity to do that. And the cool thing is, whether you came planning to do that or not, you can be obedient to that if God's calling you to do it. We have towels, we have shirts, we have shorts, we have everything that we need for you to go public with your faith. And maybe today, the way you need to worship God is through a public and corporate act of baptism. And now let me just go ahead and say this. We have a lot of people some, uh, at times like, I, I can't get baptized. Why? Because, because I'm afraid I'm going to get baptized and I'm going to do something stupid. Let me let y'all do it. That's going to happen. Maybe before you get out of the parking lot. Going through the waters of baptism means you're forgiven, not that you're perfect. It's a declaration of who, what God has done on the cross in Jesus for your life. And you declaring to this group of people into the world that you believe in that sacrifice. And the old is gone and the new has come. And you're not who you want to be, but you're not who you used to be because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So you ponder that if that's your act. Worship is public and it's corporate and it will always have its place. But you also need to know there is a place where worship is private and solitary. And now this is a part of worship we don't, we don't talk about a whole lot. Worship is, is, is public and it's corporate. This, like we come to here, to here for events and Sundays and different things and corporately we gather together to worship God. But also worship is private and solitary. And there are times when our worship to God and for God needs to be in a place where we withdraw from other people and we disconnect from the world and we get alone with him so that we can just intimately encounter God in a way that's just personal and individual between him and us. And now this is the part like you come in here on Sundays for, for some of us like that's easy and we get that. But you're saying, like, also, not only do I need to worship God publicly and corporately, but every single day of my life, I need to carve out time when I withdraw from my cell phone. I withdraw from my spouse. I withdraw from my kids. I withdraw from my work. I withdraw from everything and intimately, deeply, privately, and in solitude connect with God. Some of y'all are going like, to get freaked out a little bit right now. Like I'm talking about where you get alone with God and you talk to him. Somebody like, like you, you, you were confusing me at this. Now you want me to get along with, yeah. Because I'm going to say something crazy. No, it ain't crazy. It's just truth. God still speaks to people. I know that that seems to freak people out in our culture. Like somebody can speak and say, God told him, though, he crazy. Mm-mm. Now, when somebody says that, you need to be deep in the word enough to know if that word is in alignment with Scripture. Because there are people that say that, that they are a little cray-cray. I mean, they're out there. But God still speaks to his people, church. God still speaks to his people. God has not gone silent in the lives of those who follow him. And maybe you just need to get a little okay with being uncomfortable with that. But God still speaks to his people and most often, I think that happens when we worship in private and solitude. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his, his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Verse 26, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Then verse 28, let him sit alone in silence for the Lord has laid it on him. Like, yeah, worship is public and it's corporate and this is awesome. But worship is also private and solitary. And there, you need public and corporate worship, but you also need private and solitary worship. You need times when you withdraw and you spend time one-on-one with your Heavenly Father. And some of y'all are thinking, like, I'm way too ADD for that. I, I get you. But there's times... We talk about all the time how this thing we get to have with Jesus is not a religion but a relationship, right? Do you know of any relationship that doesn't require one-on-one alone time to achieve intimacy? Imagine if, like, I never spent any alone time with my wife. And some of y'all are saying, like, we don't do that. Brother, sister, if you want to have, we're going to do a marriage series in October. There's times when, you know what, you need one-on-one time, husband and wife. Find a babysitter. Josh Bowers will pay for it. (laughs) Or can you imagine if I sat down one-on-one with my wife and I said, babe, you got five minutes. I'm in a hurry. I got to get to work. After, like, I got the taste back in my mouth because she slapped it out of me, (laughs) we would try to move on. See, you want a relationship with Jesus, you got to start acting like you in a relationship. And that requires one-on-one. T- and I would submit to you that some of the most powerful, life-changing moments of worship, some of the most powerful worship gatherings happen in moments of solitude. Some of the most powerful, life-changing moments in your life will not happen in this setting. Now, they, some will And this setting will do amazing things in your life. But there are things that God wants to teach you. God wants to show you. God wants to put into your life. And all he's waiting is for a little bit of alone time. Come on, somebody. Look through scripture and see how often the most life-changing encounters that people have with God are in moments of solitude and in private. You heard of Moses, right? He's a pretty big deal. Did some pretty cool things for God. You remember in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses Moses and Moses said here I am do not come any closer God said take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground alone out in the wilderness by himself in a solitary private moment he has an encounter with God that would forever change the course and direction of his life or or, or you, you ever heard of Jacob another another hero from the Old Testament Jacob would wrestle with God in solitude, Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. So Jacob was left what? Alone. 
And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. And this is the moment where in a lone, private, solitary moment, Jacob wrestles with God. God would change his name from Jacob to Israel and the course of his life would be forever different. Or if you fast forward to the New Testament, there's a man named Zechariah. He had a pretty famous son. You know him as John the Baptist. And when that announcement comes to Zechariah about this, it's in Luke chapter 1, verse 8. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, leaving Zechariah alone in the temple. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. And he would get the announcement that his wife was with child and no ordinary child. See, all throughout Scripture, you see moments when the most life-changing encounters with God weren't public and corporate. They were private and solitary. And I think that's the way God still wants to speak into our lives today. And can I be honest with you, as I prepared this message, I began to just to kind of replay some moments in my life. And some of the most life-changing words I've ever heard from God happened when nobody else was around. When something was happening in my life and I was experiencing His presence and I withdrew from people and crowds and, and distractions and just encountered God. When I was 16, I preached my very first sermon. It is officially logged as the worst sermon in the history of preaching. At 16, you ain't got a whole lot of wisdom to be sharing with folks. You know what I mean? It's just, but that night, I remember going to bed, and, and I'd practiced that discipline of just praying at night before I go to bed. And I remember just praying, and I remember I'm, the Lord just speaking in my heart, this is what you will do for the rest of your life. You will preach my word. I spent the next year, three years running from that voice, but I'll never forget it alone, laying in my bed, just before I'd fall asleep, hearing the word of the Lord speaking in my heart. I remember sitting in a corporate and public worship setting at Victory Mountain Wesleyan Camp, which is not far from where we stand when I was uh, in high school and, and bringing myself back to God as I just graduated. And I remember sitting in that room and God calling me out. And I walked out of that corporate room and I went and I sat down on some cold concrete steps that led down to a pool house. And it was just me and God where God would breathe life into me and, and tell me that there was nothing that I could ever do to make me unworthy of the calling he had on my life. I can remember being on the campus of Southern Wesleyan University and debating on whether or not Ashley, my girlfriend at the time, would be the one that God wanted to be my wife. And I walked out of my dorm room and I sat alone in a gazebo late at night just by myself praying and seeking God and feeling God leading me to ask her to be my wife. I remember sitting alone in an office with no windows reading through the book of Acts as God would speak into me the vision for a church called Vintage. I remember standing in a hospital when my wife is in preterm labor at 26 weeks with our twins and a NICU doctor standing, looking me in the eye, telling me of all the complications that would be had because my babies were about to be born and all the issues they would have at being born so early. I remember walking out of that room and alone, strolling the corridors of Women's Hospital in Greensboro and the voice of the Lord saying, they will be fine. 
they will be fine. I've had so many spiritual, personal breakthroughs in moments where I allow myself to worship in private, solitary worship. And so maybe there's some of you in the room like you, you've been doing this whole worship thing and you've been trying to figure it out and you've been giving it all you have and you've been truly, authentically worshiping Him, but you're still waiting through a breakthrough. There's something that you've been struggling with, worrying about, trying to figure out, and maybe that answer won't come in this room. Maybe it'll come when you make the decision to add private and solitude to your worship regiment and not just public and corporate. You know how I most know that private and solitude is, private and solitary worship is something that God wants us to do? Jesus did it. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So if everything I've said wasn't enough, maybe that's enough. Jesus modeled this discipline and this practice. Jesus told the woman at the well, God's looking for true worshipers. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what that looks like. And so I want to give you a chance to find your place of worship today. Maybe your place of worship is public and corporate. And maybe that is in the form of going public through your faith and baptism. If that's how God's calling you to worship today, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand up where you are, head out those back doors, and one of our pastors, a couple of our pastors are going to be there to meet you, to give you further instructions. If that's you, if you're ready, if you're here today, and the way that you need to practice worship is through public and corporate displays of worship, and go through those waters of baptism, stand up where you are, go through those back doors, and there'll be some folks to meet you there. Again, if you didn't come prepared to do that, we have everything that you need to help you make that decision. We have shirts, we have shorts, we have towels, we have the everything we, you need to make you be obedient to God. Or maybe for you, the place of worship is private and solitary. And I'm going to say something crazy. I think that can start right here. Maybe it's you need to slide out of your seat away from the other people. I need to find a spot around this perimeter, around this altar. Maybe you just want to sit right where you are and kneel where you are. And this isn't about your spouse or your life group or your family or your kids or anybody. It's just about you and God having some alone time. Can I just tell you, I imagine God in heaven right now just like, all right. Like he's just waiting, like excited to meet with his kids. And look you in the face and one-on-one just whisper into your heart some word of encouragement or challenge or strength or conviction or something. The team's going to lead us in worship. Or should I say they're going to give us the opportunity to find our place of worship. So I'm not even going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to just invite you to assume your place of worship, whatever that looks like, however you feel led. If you, if you feel led to stand, if you feel led to sit, if you feel led to kneel, if you feel led to lay prostrate on this floor right here, you just respond to God. Father, thank you that we get to worship you and that your worship is not limited to a people group or a place. That we didn't have to wait till we got in this room to experience your presence, that your presence has been hovering in and around us every moment of every day because that's who you are and that's how you work. And God, I pray that you would just help us to find our place of worship today. 
whether it be public through baptism and, or singing or lifting hands or whether it be private and solitary where we just spend some time in communion along with you. But God, we're just thankful that we get to be in your presence. We're just thankful that we get to have a relationship with you that's intimate and personal and real. And God, I pray that you would just meet with us now as we just express our gratitude to you for who you are and what you've done from a surrendered heart. God, we love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.